0: we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. You are now entering the mind of Morton's Law. What's up everybody, welcome to another edition of Morton's Law. I'm your host Christopher Morton. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Morton's underscore law. I want to thank everybody for the continued support. Please spread the word and check out my, my videos that I post on Twitter. Share and uh, let's, let's please let's keep this going. So we're going to have two weeks uh, rather two shows this week. We're going to do one Sunday night after backlash with the Peeps Nage from Saturday afternoon's main event. So please check that out. Now, before I get into the biggest news of this week, because we had huge news break yesterday that I wanted to lead with. I just have to get something off my chest first. Alright, listen, I'm really tired of watching these idiots asking about what happened to coronavirus. They start they're now almost making fun of this. As if, oh it just went away. Yeah, it went away. I see these fucktards posting videos on TikTok. These people think they're smart. Oh, what happened to coronavirus? No. Nah. And then you got these idiots Wearing, you know, with no masks. Basically only wearing a mask if a store requires it. Which, of course, most stores do. I mean, nobody comprehends six feet. The supermarket is a joke. I had some idiot behind me online. Yet I'm the asshole if I say something. You know, I told someone today that most people don't care about the virus. Of course, until a family member gets it. Or maybe they get it. You know what? Fuck all you idiots not wearing masks and being assholes about it. I'm not religious at all, but I pray to God. I pray that someone in your family dies, so now you're humbled, and now you respect the virus. Let's pray with me, shall we? Dear God, please kill these idiots who think this virus is a joke or a hoax. That's right, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Fuck them all. Seriously. Especially on Staten Island. Fuck those white trash motherfuckers. So, alright. This is a wrestling show for the most part. Let's get back to wrestling. (laughs) Uh, So, listen. I mean, the news that broke yesterday. Shockwaves would be an understatement. This is like the shot heard round world in the wrestling industry. Yesterday afternoon... WWE, via their website, on their Twitter handle, announced that Paul Heyman has been released from his duties, or relieved of his duties, from running Raw Creative, and that Bruce Pritchard will now lead both SmackDown and Raw, Pritchard had been previously just leading SmackDown, they're going to streamline both shows, and apparently they're going to basically and I don't know if this means that talent is going to be crossing over more than they are already now. Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's just get rid of this whole brand lo- crap. It's, it's time. Just Top people need to be on both shows. That's starters. And uh, they're saying that Heyman's going to return to being just talent. Which, of course, what does he have with Brock Lesnar? Barely there. So, I mean, maybe they give Heyman someone else to manage, perhaps. But that's not even the important part of the story here. The important part is that Paul Heyman is no longer running creative on Raw. And say what you will, but if you're a smart person, you know a lot of things about the backstage and what goes on. Now, what's unfortunate is that Vince McMahon got rid of Paul Heyman because he claimed that ratings have been an issue. And look, there's no doubt about it. Ratings have continually dropped. However, I mean, that's the thing. You have to give things time. I mean, Vince also claims that the young talent isn't getting over. I'm sorry, what? What what do you mean they're not getting over with who? The PC trainees? What do you want those people to pop? I mean, is Vince losing his mind to the point where he looks at how much they pop for entrances and and, and during matches? It It just doesn't make any sense. You can't go solely off of ratings. These people don't have an audience to play in front of. So who's really over? We don't know right now. This is why you can't make these drastic changes at this very moment. It's just, it, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, look, wrestling ratings are down in general. We'll talk about that a little bit later with AEW and NXT taking another dump. I mean, nobody's watching. What are you going to do? And and no, let's not forget to mention that SmackDown is in every home. It's on regular Fox 5 TV or wherever your Fox affiliate is here in New York. It's Fox 5 raw isn't raw still on cable a lot of people don't have cable anymore people are getting rid of cable and i'm a cord cutter i don't have cable sure i and that's another thing you can easily find these shows online so even though the ratings have been doing 1.7 million there's a good chance there's over 2 million watching you just don't know about it how many people are stealing the show and it's only going to get worse and furthermore listen If you know what goes on backstage, and the fact that Vince McMahon was more on Raw than he was on SmackDown, you know he was constantly changing the show. I mean look, at this point, there's a chance, I know Heyman is a passionate person, but he almost has to be relieved of somewhat, knowing he no longer has that stress on him. I mean, it's amazing how the old man blames Heyman when he's the one interfering in his work. Let's be real here, how much of Raw is Paul Heyman, And how much is a Vince rewrite? People talk about this. They say Vince rewrites the show at the last minute if he's not happy with it. So how can Heyman push the people he wants without interference when Vince is always hands-on? And furthermore, Heyman told Vince, he said, listen, I need 18 months to build new stars. Think about all the people that have left the WWE in the last... So I mean, granted, you still get Cena and Lesnar popping up here and there, but you need new stars. This is what we've been crying for in the business for a long time it doesn't happen overnight I mean and that's the thing Heyman said I need 18 months yesterday when this news broke it was 16 days short of a year in which Paul Heyman took over as lead creative on Raw and and people are already talking about backstage people who are Heyman guys are legitimately concerned about their future now Heyman is a big Alistair Black guy. Heyman is a big Shayna Baszler guy. Of course, McMahon hates Shayna Baszler, so you don't see her anymore. I mean, he loves the, uh, Heyman loves the Street Profits. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Apollo Crews. Uh, remember Ricochet and, and Cedric, Cedric Alexander. We don't see those guys anymore. So it was always a, const, a constant tug of war between Vince and Heyman. And Heyman lost. Look, we knew Heyman would lose. It's Vince's company. That's not the point. The point is that Heyman was never given full reign, full control. If you go back in the history books, and this was this was uh, this might this might have been more horrible than what happened yesterday. Paul Heyman was essentially in control of SmackDown. I want to say 2002. You might check me on the date there. And SmackDown became unequivocally the better show. I don't want to go into ratings because I don't remember how if the ratings were significantly better than raw now I don't want to say that, but if you remember Smackdown 2002 Everything was better than raw and guess what happened Paul Heyman was mysteriously Relieved of his duties then and then they gave Stephanie the keys to the car and eventually raw became the better show again I don't know why the man stays there. This is more boggling to me than anything. I tweeted him recently and just saying, how do you put up with this? Of course he's not gonna reply to me, who the fuck am I, right? I mean, but this has to cross the man's thought. He's not an old man. I wanna say Paul Heyman is 57, 50 years, fifty-eight years of age. He doesn't have to stay there. Look at the disaster that has become AEW. I'm not saying Tony Khan's gonna hire him and give him total control, but let's be honest, what's going on there? They need some help. They need some direction. We'll get we'll talk about that later. But Paul Heyman he has, I don't know where is why is loyalty to WWE? Just leave. There's other places to go. Oh well, that's 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 my piece. And then and then oh that's another thing. Bruce Pritchard, who is now taking over for Raw, if you didn't know this already, he is. I hate to call people a stooge, but not only is he a stooge, he's a Vince McMahon yes man. Whatever Vince says, Pritchard is not going to challenge it. I mean, he might not be thrilled with it, but he's not. He's not going to let Vince know. He'll bite his tongue. Bruce Pritchard has been known around WWE as the explainer. Whenever Vince likes something, whether it's a gimmick or any kind of angle and a wrestler doesn't understand it, Bruce Pritchard will explain it to them as if he's Vince McMahon because he wants to convey that message and, and make the talent understand why this is beneficial for their future. And it's all a crock of shit. That's what it is. It's a crock of shit. I mean, that, that's what Vince wants to do. I mean... How much longer does this company have to deal with Vince as the lead? And we're going to find out. Look, I I, I don't know what's going to happen to the ratings going forward. Can it continue to drop? Of course it can. I mean, this this can get ugly. What is he going to do then? Get rid of Pritchard too? I don't know. I'm available, by the way, but I'm not going to put up with the shit. Like people tell me all the time, they're like, Chris, you should write for WWE. I'm like, I would write for them, but I would want more control of the book than just writing. Writing is half the battle. I can come up with stuff, storylines and angles and how to push people, but I want to be able to control who wins and loses, who has a, who has a title, how they lose the title. That's Vince's call. I'm never going to get to make those calls. I want that. And I'm sure a lot of people who go through those doors would like that opportunity because this company can change for the better. I still hold out hope one day WWE can be good again. I don't trash WWE because I hate WWE but we have to be realistic about the product. The product is subpar at best, and it wasn't proving. That's the thing. Paul Heyman, again, we don't know how much of Raw was his. We, how do we know Paul Heyman didn't have a, a perfect show every Monday, and Vince rewrote it to his liking, and that's the shit we got to see, and therefore people turned the channel. People stopped watching, because Vince thinks what, what he believes his ideas are best. I don't know, I would love to see some of those shows that were written before the rewrite. I want to know how much more people would want to watch those shows. Alright, so, uh, I already made that a lot longer than I wanted to, but let's move on, <laughs> shall we? So, uh, uh, well, what initially was going to be the biggest news into this story broke yesterday. So this news had to fall back a little bit. But, it is, I am excited to report that New Japan Pro Wrestling is back, starting june 15th now they're gonna do no fans at the beginning they're gonna run the world cup and i believe that starts on the 16th Uh, a lot of average first round matchups which is normally the case of course the world cup winner ends up getting a title shot at at naito i believe on july 11th or 12th um the best first round matchup is going to be zach saber jr against kota abushi and I'll be honest with you, I know they occasionally throw in a really good first round matchup, but when, now based on travel bans and other reasons, I'm not sure about why Kenta isn't in, but I know Juice Robinson and Will Osprey aren't there. Maybe there's another name I'm forgetting. But with those guys not on the show, or not in the tournament rather, I'm surprised that you're going to basically eliminate Zack Sabre Jr. or Kota Ibushi in the first round. I would like to see both guys go further into the tournament. So, hey, I guess it can't be perfect, right? But again, New Japan is back. Yes, I'm so excited. And uh, they're saying that the plan is for the Osaka Joe Hall. I want to say the tournament finale will be uh, at a third capacity. They're going to bring in real fans. So that's the good news. And Osaka Hall, Osaka Joe Hall, rather, sixteen thousand capacity. So 33%, it's roughly between 5,500 and 6,000 fans will be in the building. So they get to spread those people out. So again, great news. New Japan is back. Look forward to everything there. Moving along, let's get right into Monday Night Raw. All right. Listen, I like the way Raw started. I like that Banks and Belly, who just won the tag titles on SmackDown, came over. Remember, if you're champion, you can be on both shows. I enjoy Banks and, Sasha Banks and, and Bayley. I do. I mean, you could hate them. I enjoy them. I think they're funny. I like their work. Uh, and then, of course, Charlotte had to come out. A lot more on Charlotte soon. Then we get the Iconics. I mean, does anyone care about the Iconics? Do you care about the Iconics? I don't. I don't. It's awful. Don't know why they need to be involved in anything. Moving on. Alright, so let's just get this straight. I want to make sense of all this, okay? Angel Garza beats Kevin Owens, I want to say, two or three weeks ago. I don't remember specifically. Now, Andrade, in the last month or so, since losing the title to Cruz, has essentially done every job known to man during that time frame. Now, we get this three-way on Raw to determine the number one contender and who will face Apollo Cruz at Backlash. And... Unfathomably, Angel Garza gets pinned by Andrade. What the fuck are you kidding me? How do you have Garza lose after he just beat Kevin Owens? Why would you beat Kevin Owens then if Garza isn't getting the title shot? And then on top of it, you buried Andrade for a month and now he's getting the title shot? I mean, and it makes no sense. I love Andrade. Don't get me wrong. Andrade should, I I mean, if it were up to me, I mean, granted, you have to eventually turn, turn, um, change titles, rather. And he was champ for five months. And guys normally come back down. But there's no reason, then, to give him another another title shot. Doesn't mean he has to lose every week. But he can go to another program. Do something else. I mean, think about this. Cruz already beat him for the title. Then he beat him in a rematch. And then, he beat him in a tag match! Did they forget all that happened? Holy fucking shit, is all I gotta say. I mean, what are they doing? And again, I'm inclined to believe Paul Heyman had a clue and Vince said, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this. I don't care what you say. And it's just like, why? Alright, so that's painful, but that's our match. And again, Andrade and Cruz at Backlash will be a tremendous match. But we know Apollo Cruz is going to win. Alright, so apparently they have no concept of how to sell pay-per-views anymore. They don't. I mean, think there's a lot that went on in the show in terms of your go-home show. This is your go-home show. Your goal is to sell the show to people who... Who either want to buy it on the network or pay-per-view, right? So think about this: we get McIntyre ringside watching Lashley in some frivolous tag team match against the Viking Raiders. Who gives a shit, right? I mean, weren't they just previously doing a decathlon with the Street Profits? Now they're out wrestling, and the Street Profits are also ringside, by the way. I don't get it. What was that? And then and then we get Edge and Orton on the show, right? But not wrestling. Now I understand you want to build this matchup, but when you when you do this angle and you have this little uh, the peep show that they did with Edge and Christian and Christian is trying to get Edge uh, to believe in himself and all this other crap. If you want to pop a rating and sell a pay per view, why don't you get Edge in the ring on Monday night in a tag match? I don't know, maybe. Can't that help your ratings? And listen, I said this about AEW with their go-home show for double or nothing. Why not take the top, the top guys in your top two matches and do a main event tag match? Could you imagine? If Think about this. This was your main event for Monday Roar, and you found this out in the first segment. Drew McIntyre and Edge against Orton and Lashley. Who the fuck wouldn't want to see that? Are you kidding me? Why would you not that be your match? I mean... And, and then the goal would be to get Lashley over more in that tag match. You should have Lashley... Again, by the way, I'm available to write and book your show. Because I could do it better than what I'm believing is Vince's final decisions. And again, look, even if you bring me in, I'm going to get fired in the first week. Because I'm going to tell them, you know what the fuck you're doing. So, here's here's how you book it, ready? You have Lashley pin McIntyre in the tag match... And then Orton and Lashley leave Edge and McIntyre laying to go off the air. That's how you end the paper. That's how you end Monday Night Raw. That makes people care. I mean, so now you're you're believing. Oh wow! Can and then of course you have to have McIntyre sell it by having good facials. You know now now McIntyre starting to doubt himself with the commentators selling that. Oh no! Is McIntyre in trouble? Can Bobby Lashley be the new heavyweight champion? Is McIntyre is Lashley in McIntyre's head? You know what I mean? Like, is McIntyre's Days as Champion numbered? Order Backlash, Sunday night to find out. Those little things get people to care. What the fuck are they doing? Instead, instead, we get now, listen, a lot of people are burying Charlotte online. And I get it, she's being shoved down our throats. And it's enough. It is enough. She lost Sunday night. I get it. I'm not going to kill her as much because I respect her work in the ring. She's a little awkward on the mic at times, but her work in the ring is is top notch. But she doesn't need to be on every show. And not to mention, by the way, this is your go-home show for a pay-per-view that Charlotte isn't even featured on. She's not on it. Go look at this. The 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 matches. Charlotte Flair is not on Backlash. So why is she on your go-home show? And in your main event of your go-home show. Now again, it was a great match with Asuka. Phenomenal man match. But this is not how you sell a pay-per-view. You sell a pay-per-view but what I just said. You do a tag match. You have Lashley and Orton destroy Edge and McIntyre. And that's how you go off the air. Think back to the Attitude Era. And the Ruthless Aggression Era. And so on and so forth. I'm trying to think back to the time when you didn't have your top guys promoting your pay-per-view in a main event. It's like they just forgot how to do that. They forgot that mattered. That that's how you get people to care. I don't know. It's just amazing. That that's what you want to do though. You want to get your top guys in the main event on raw, sell your pay-per-view. And they didn't do it. I mean, and look, and Asuka and Charlotte went almost a half hour. I mean, of course it was good, but that's not the point. You know, you had Nia come down at the end. She calls Oscar the match, which I get. makes sense. I mean, but look, and and, and I really hope Asuka wins at Backlash. If Nia Jax wins this title, I, I might throw well, I'm not, I'm not throwing my TV out the window. It was worth too much. I'm not going to do that, okay? I'll calm down, but it, it's, it'll be ridiculous if that fucking bitch is the new champion, okay? Sorry. And that's another thing. Think about this. Your final image on Monday Night Raw, your go-home show. I know I'm repeating myself, but this is worth it. Your final image of your go-home show wasn't McIntyre, wasn't Lashley, wasn't Orton, wasn't Edge. Your four top guys on the show. Your final image going off was Nia Jax. Good job selling Backlash, WWE. What the fuck? You know what? I tweeted this, and this is 100% right. You know what WWE tells us at the end of the day? They tell us, we don't care, so why should you? You know what? Fuck you, WWE. Alright, we're coming back on the other side. We got NXT and AEW. You're listening to Morton's Law, back after this. Law back uh, Please don't forget to support the show And check me out on Twitter and Instagram At Morton's underscore law Don't forget we got a special uh, episode Coming up Sunday night After backlash with the Peeps and From Saturday afternoon's main events. And uh, for those wondering Just to update you on my Nat situation My Nats are still here And they say hello They have essentially turned into squatters They don't pay rent I think it's bullshit okay all right I need some contribution if you're gonna live here and it's 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 now become a nightmare these are if you look it up if you look it up online they're called noceums. they're also known as buffalo gnats or sand flies. yes I'm going back to school if you told me how to write a 10 page paper on gnats I would get an a plus 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 okay because these fucking things are in my head all right it is ridiculous they don't they bite me all the time all right and it hurts fucking hurts It's not funny. Don't laugh. It really hurts. Alright? They now... They actually... Because these things are formed from water. They now bite me in the shower. Alright? It's to the point where I'm waiting for one of these motherfuckers to bite my dick. Alright? I'm sure that's coming next. It's unbelievable. This is why I hate my life. You know what? God hates me too. Fucking miserable. Alright. Here we go. Let's get back into this. So NXT... We get the undisputed error in the ring to start the show, Adam Cole cuts a promo on being the longest reigning champion of all time, and then he talks about his match with Dexter Loomis. We get Roderick Strong, who now is doing this whole thing that he fears Loomis, because Loomis is is weird and creepy, and he just shows up all over, the time, all over the place, and of course Loomis pops up, and only Strong can see him, and nobody else can, every time he, they turn around he's gone. And they do this thing. And listen, here's the thing. I hate to label a guy and say Dexter Loomis, a.k.a. Sam Shaw, those who watch TNA. And he even had a cup of coffee with the NWA. Listen, he's, he was essentially nobody. I hate to label him, but that's the fact. However, if you want to fire back and say, okay, well, what if this guy was underutilized, never given a chance in either company? What if he can be somebody if given a chance? And you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just say, from watching enough Sam Shaw, I just think he's an average mediocre across the board. And I don't I don't get this little mini push. I mean, look, we'll see where this show goes. But the fact that now I know to start, think about it, we talk about ratings, right? When you know your main event is Adam Cole against Dexter Loomis, how many people in the wrestling world are gonna care about that match? You have to think about that for a second. Now, I don't know what Dexter Loomis in any quarter hour breakdown, where they saw a significant ratings pop, to automatically go, oh yeah, you know what, Dexter Lumis is a main eventer now, what? Alright, moving on, so here's the thing, as Cole was talking about beating everyone, and being the longest reigning NXT champion, a couple thro- uh, thoughts rather crossed my mind. Number one, how about this, let's stop wasting Shinsuke Nakamura on the main roster, Bring him back to NXT and have that match. Okay, how awesome would that be? Think about what Nakamura's done on the main roster. Total joke. And number two, my second thought. Keith Lee has to be next, right? Title for title makes sense, perhaps? And and sure enough, they end up teasing that. That's the, the cool part about that. I was thinking this, and then now we get Keith Lee walking into the locker room. And he essentially makes the challenge to Adam Cole for the title Cole walks off. I mean, listen, if I'm booking, okay, if I'm booking, I would have Lee beat Cole, have both titles. Now, and don't forget, you have to factor in that both guys are likely going to the main roster sooner than later. You could, here's what you could do. Again, just throwing stuff out there. You could have Lee vacate the North American title and do another tournament. I know you could say, all right, well, they just, remember, I don't think Lee's going up next week, and I don't think they're going to have him beat Cole next week. So you have that to factor in that it wouldn't the, the North American tournament wouldn't be so fresh maybe 3 months from now you could do another one But you could also Now again these are just my thoughts before the show took place As in the second segment I'm thinking these thoughts You could also hotshot a program against carrying cross and have Lee lose to him before getting called up I mean and then of course how do you beat cross right How do you beat carrying cross He's not long for NXT. Let's be realistic. He may get called up before his opportunity even pre- presents itself. And and furthermore, the hardest part will be making decisions not knowing when Vince calls people up. Imagine being Triple H in this position. It's not easy. Now, sure, you could also involve people like Finn Balor in terms of beating any of those guys mentioned before they get called up. I mean, this is also an opportunity. Listen to this for a second. This is an opportunity for Triple H to request a pseudo talent exchange, if you will, with the main roster. The way certain companies talent exchange, why doesn't Triple H call up Vince and say, okay, listen, if you're going to take all the aforementioned guys, well, then I need some of them back. Like I mentioned, Nakamura, perfect guy. You could also, if your Triple H, say, hey, give me Ricochet and Alexander. You're not doing anything with them. Imagine those guys come back to NXT. That'd be awesome. And, look, WWE should have more options for people like Drake Maverick. You know what I mean? Think about, like, what Drake Maverick, the option he received. They should do that more. Now, obviously, Triple H would have to want these people. However, the goal of the PC Performance Center should be to produce unknown talent. Not just former indie stars or Japanese and Mexican superstars. Think about that for a second. I mean, how often is a, is a main roster talent from NXT that we don't know? They have essentially rated all the independent promotions and all the other major... I don't want to call... MLW has a television deal, so it's hard to call them independent. Impact has a television deal, can't call them independent. But you know what I mean. I'm just saying that. The PC should produce somebody new. Somebody we, we don't know who they are moving on alright so they start the show in terms of wrestling with the same mixed tag match we saw last Wednesday a bit unusual I thought I mean unless the plan is for a Gargano Lee rematch which is is plausible right I mean I suppose Lee could still drop the title to Johnny prior to challenging Cole for the title they could do that also and the end of this match was funny Gargano hits Lee with the DDT coming back into the ring but Lee lands on Candice essentially flattening her like a pancake so she's selling it right she's out cold, this was funny Lee picks her up, helps her like he's gonna leave the ring with her, Johnny goes from behind Lee, rolls him up, gets the pin Candice goes flying out of the ring and the funny part was she was still out and (laughs) and Mara was funny too, Mara was great on commentary, Mara sold it as that's the Johnny Gagano way, that's how he does it He wins by any means necessary. So now he's looking at Candice, who's still outside the ring, unconscious, after being squashed by Lee. That was funny. So up next, we get Damian Priest, who lost to Finn Balor at TakeOver. He gets interviewed backstage, and he talks about taking the next step and how the name Damian Priest will live forever. Okay. Kind of confused by that. You just kind of lost, and you lost the match before that. You lost the match before that. When's was the last time Damian Priest won a match? Can anyone help me with that? I'm trying to think. My memory's terrible, but I feel like if the name Damian Priest will live forever, and I'm imagining he's not getting called up anytime soon, you got to start winning matches. Now, I know in the next segment, they had Grimes interviewed, and then Priest came out, and he blasted him with a forearm. I don't know if there's something in a brew there, but you got to get Damian Priest over a little bit more than you have. And the only way you do that is by winning matches. So we get a video package with the new NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai. Now, I like this video package more than the one they did on the go-home show where Io barely said a word. In this one, it was cool. She talked about how it doesn't matter if it's one opponent. If it's two opponent, I will be victorious. And she was, and she won. And they could have given us that on the go home, but they didn't. It was it was a well done uh, video package. Uh, the funniest part of the package, though, is we got to see Mauro actually calling the event from his home in boxers, it looked like. <laughs> he was just in like the casual, chill, wear at home, calling the, the match. By the way, I have to be fair here. Going back, I know on the show Sunday night, which was alcohol-induced, I said I loved the finish, and I loved more that Io won the match. I was I was happy for Io becoming champion, and with all the rumors of her not being happy and potentially going back to Japan, going to work at stardom again, because, of course, her husband, Evil, is in New Japan, and she, she was homesick, missed her husband. I was happy for her that she won. But when you think back at the actual finish... It was very redundant in a way. And it also killed Rhea Ripley. Let's be fair here. Again, Rhea Ripley loses another match. I thought they were building her. Again, confusion, sounds. Alright, so remember last week when we got that tag team? I'm going to try to say their name correctly here. Indusherr. Indusherr. They are back, and they get another match. And, um... By the way, this is a prime example of PC guys needing to become stars. Can these two... Big guys, well one is bigger than the other, the, indie, the one guy I think is like 670, he's a monster. Can these guys become stars? By the way, did you hear Morrow's amazing old school hip hop reference? He said something about, I forget, oh man, I should know the line. Uh the, Deju, De, blech, uh, Roo, the Damager song, I think something about vodka and something, but I love that is such an old school 90s hip hop guy like I am. So, uh, Indusher did get a quick squash. Look, these guys are beyond green. There's no way to put it. They need time in the ring. Got to give them more time. That, that's the, that's the hard part. When you're booking new guys, you want to get them time in the ring, get them exposure on television, understand a few things in the ring in terms of timing. You want to understand the cameras, how to look at the cameras, how to get over as a heel with your facials and all those little things that you need to do to become a star, And that takes time to be on television. However, at the same time, if you're out there too long, sometimes you get exposed and then people don't take you seriously and they say you're green and you suck and then they write you off. So there's that fine line there is how long you can leave a tag team or an individual in a ring, in a match, in a squash without getting them exposed. So not easy. So we get. Balor vs. Grimes. And this was a really good television match. I I mean, you can't go wrong with Balor versus Grimes. This was everything a wrestling match should be. And here's the key. You know how much I hate dives, right? Guess what? This match did not have one dive. Applaud it. Applaud people. So Balor hits the 1916. And now this, I guess, series. Because they keep mentioning the fact that Balor was 0-1. And then they also made sure to mention that it's now tied at one. So I guess we are going to see future matches with Balor and uh, Grimes. However, when this match was over, uh, Balor didn't have a mic, but he he spoke to the, the camera in the corner. And we could pick that audio up. And he mentioned Keith Lee and wanting to be the North American champion. So listen, a lot of what I said earlier, it makes sense. So we could see Balor being that guy to take the title off Lee before Lee beats Cole or Lee just gets called up. And then we'll, we'll talk about more later in the show because a lot of my earlier scenarios, which I just thought of as I watched the first couple of segments, more played out as this show goes on. Uh, next up, we get the CW, the Cruiserweight Champion, rather. We get El Hijo Del Fantasma in the ring. And, of course, he gets interrupted by Drake Maverick. Uh, I don't think Phantasma got, like, two words out before Maverick comes to the ring. Maverick congratulates him and thanks him for giving him that for that opportunity. He tells him he deserves it. But also tells Phantasma that he believes deep down that he can beat him. And then, out of nowhere, the mask guys that have been trying to uh, capture Phantasma ha- appear. Now, I thought this was really cool here because... This is where Maverick and Del Fantasma were back-to-back looking like they were gonna fight each other until Phantasma turned around and This was where G- Drake Maverick was perfect here. He sold this so well Because when once you realized once he realized what was going on did you see his facial? Tremendous facial as he slowly turned to Phantasma knowing what was gonna happen. That was perfectly done by Maverick And then of course uh, the beatdown ensues uh, the, the three mask, the three masked man beat up Drake Maverick and then we get the uh, we get the mask taken off we find out that it's uh, Joaquin Wild and Raul Mendoza who had been previously captured by other people. So are we gonna find out who those people were or we're gonna just now say that they captured themselves I don't know well let's hope that storyline comes about and they just don't butcher that which would be stupid. Well furthermore then we get Bantasma, he unmasks, which shocked everybody. Now, I, I'm not I remember him working as King Cuerno in Lucha Underground, but I couldn't tell you if he's ever worked in Mexico without a mask. That I don't know. I'd have to look that up. So this could be the first time he is without a mask. And he reveals his new identity of Santos Escobar, which is a pretty cool name. Uh, not for nothing, but I'll say this. With Drake Maverick stealing his spotlight last week by taking the ring to end the show, and then by doing it again this week, listen, I might turn heel too, let's be honest. It's gotta be pissed. Give me my ring one time. I'm the champ, damn it. <laughs> so, main event? Yes, main event, people, I said it. Dexter Loomis. I'm still surprised that Netflix and the show Stranger Things has not sued WWE, because listen closely to Loomis's theme. And how much it sounds like the Stranger uh, Things song. Oh, uh, Loomis Cole, non-title. This was okay. It wasn't bad. It was very generic. I'll say this. Loomis is actually really good at basics. He's just a basic generic guy. So nothing looks bad in his matches. I mean, look, he's a veteran. He's a 36-year-old guy. He's not, he's not spring chicken. This guy's been around. And you look, some some of you may question why I buried this guy. I get it. I mean, look, It's at the end of the day, it's not about Dexter Loomis. I just don't think people will care about him enough, especially those who know his impact history and his brief stay in NWA. Dexter Loomis is not a main eventer. I don't understand where this comes from. I think it comes from Jeremy Barash, who is connected to Loomis from Tegan I don't know how he convinced Triple H, but who knows? Now, the ending was, of course undisputed error had to interfere which they do all the time cole ends up winning and i was like wow that's kind of odd you put loomis in this position as your main event and then you beat him i thought they were going to go with a dq finish here to keep loomis strong Although then loomis did get kind of his heat back if you will because he did rise up and he attacked cole he put him in a submission lock and then velveteen dream came out and they brawled so that was good stuff and then and then the ending the ending was so epic. It was so good. I love the ending. Cole's in the ring by himself. And now I'm thinking, okay, they are going off air. And then out of nowhere, you get the lights change and Scarlett appears. She brings an hourglass to the ring. She turns it over. And the, the PC trainees were great here. They started to chant TikTok. And that was ideal because we know what's coming. And that's the thing. And by the way, Morrow really sold it well on commentary. That's the key about your commentators. How do you sell a segment? And Morrow went went off on talking about how is the, the end near for the longest reign of Adam Cole, and yeah, it was good. It was it was well done. We didn't see Cross. We didn't need to see Cross. Scarlet did all she had to do in that segment to make us now believe that carrying Cross is coming after Adam Cole. But lucky as Keith Lee also coming after him, as we mentioned before. So curious how they go forward with this. I hope we don't get the obligatory three-way dance that I'm so nauseous of. Hope we get some good stories here in the, in the next couple of months before, ideally, all three guys go up. I, I can't. I don't know how much longer you're gonna keep Cole, Lee, and Cross at NXT. So moving along, we'll get to uh, AEW. Now Jericho joins commentary, and I mean, can we get a fifth guy? I mean, as it is, we talk about in 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 wrestling how most three man booths are, are just overcrowded and sucks and Smackdown at least has gone back to two now again you have to deal with Michael Cole there so good luck but at least they've done two with AEW they're like okay we're gonna just raise the bar we're gonna go from three to four like are you kidding me I mean I'll say this though Shivani and JR doesn't say a lot and they all know when to get in so they don't really talk over each other so it wasn't terrible and Jericho didn't say the whole show either but Jericho's funny uh, more on that in a second. So, FTR makes their AEW in-ring debut against the Butcher and the Blade. No longer with a bunny, by the way. You notice now the bunny is involved with uh, QT Marshall as a girlfriend. No explanation there. They just take her away from the Butcher and the Blade. And I guess, it you, I guess she broke up with them in the pandemic and joined QT Marshall. Can we explain that, please? I don't know. So, this tag match to start the show was perfect. This is when you talk about two guys... In FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, I think, I think I got their names correctly, did I? I hope I did, because I wanted to learn their names, they deserve to have their names learned. So, FTR is technically the best team on the planet, I mean, when you see the precision, and the timing, and how they work body parts, and how they tag in and out, and the smooth transitions from move to move, tag team excellence. And Butcher and the Blade were really good here, too. Great job selling. Great back and forth. Great heat all around. I'll be fair here. And, and, and truthful at the same time. AEW should probably pay FTR to not only wrestle, but to train half the roster how to work. Because you have a lot of gymnasts in AEW, but you don't have a lot of guys that know how to work. More on that later in the main event, by the way. Because this, a lot of these guys are indie guys, and they don't understand timing and... And, and, and slowing down a little bit. I'm not saying you slow down the WWE pace. Slowing down to sell. Slowing down for psychology. Slowing down for facials. They don't, a lot of these guys don't get that. It's move to move to move. And you just hit everything. Including the kitchen sink. And they're like, there, there's your match. Enjoy it. What? Why do I have to enjoy that? Uh, Jericho made me laugh here. He was pretty funny. There was a move in which they went for a superplex. And Jericho goes, high rent district, whatever the hell that means, which is funny. <laughs> That's actually funny when you think about it. <laughs> what the, see, it's like commentators say certain terms and phrases? And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> he just calls it out. I like that. Um, now, again, AW, did this match go too long? This match was, I want to say it was close to 20 minutes with your commercial. Hopefully one day they'll figure out that not every match has to go 20 minutes. FTR, of course, won. No surprise. Then we get the Young Bucks come out. And they acted kind of heelish. They were a little cocky about being the best tag team for the past decade and a half. And carrying this the company and the tag team division on their backs. I like that. Look, the Young Bucks have been heels before. They could do this. Which is why I firmly believe, and I told everyone I know, that at, at some point... Now, remember how they were teasing Hangman was going to turn on Omega. I think based on that, now I know that has gone away with this pandemic and a lot of things they probably wanted to do have been killed. I think they need to revisit that, but then shock everybody by having Omega turn on Page with the Young Bucks. Beat down Adam Page, because I think Adam Page can get super over as a babyface right now. Again, we talk about that in the business. Guys who have heels also act kind of like a face, so they get cheered. We need real distinguished faces and heels. Adam Page could be a tremendous baby in this business. And then, by the way, don't forget, if you watch The Elite, right? Who's part of The Elite? I don't know if he still is because I don't watch the show anymore. But pre-AW, Cody was on The Elite. You get Cody turn heel because Cody's a natural heel. We'll talk about him later. But think about that. You get Cody, The Bucks, and Omega. And you reform The Elite on AEW. And they just take out Adam Page. I love that. So, back to the segment though. We get the tease again of uh, FTR, which is perfect. The Bucks and FTR are teasing that they're going to fight. You know what happens? It means more when they actually do fight. The tease draws people in. And then when you get the fight, then hopefully the ratings turn around. Let's see. I don't know. And, oh, I almost gave Jim Ross credit. He was about to get credit, he was so close. 23 24 minutes with this segment in terms of the the uh post-match stare down and and you know of course omega came out and the whole elite was there so we had stuff brewing as they're going to commercial jim ross had to say i know three letters dta don't trust anybody and i was like oh jim ross you had to make the austin reference didn't you yeah jim ross, you almost made it through a segment without an old school reference Damn you, Jim. (laughs) So moving along. Okay, I have to blow up somebody's spot here. They will remain nameless, but I am in a text group with a bunch of friends. And we were watching on Wednesday night. And I have had a running joke. A friend of mine who jokes about his pension wife when he retires. And I made the joke that I've always made about Nyla Rose. (laughs) And... We come to find out during the course of the text, he's going to be laughing listening to this, by the way, because I won't say his name, but he listens to the show. He didn't know that Nyla Rose was born a man. And when this got out, everybody in the group died laughing. We were hysterical. He says he didn't see the first AEW show, so he didn't know the background story of Nyla Rose. We never, we will never let this up. That was hilarious. So then we get this tag match here with um, Ford and Nyla against Statlander and the champion, Hakuru By the way, Justin Roberts back. I forgot to mention that. Interesting that we had heard him at the stadium brawl, but then we didn't see him until tonight. So Wednesday night, rather. So he's back. This was an interesting tag match. Uh, I'm not going to tell you if it was good or bad. That's your call. I don't, I'm, you know how I am with these eight, listen, the AEW t- women matches are okay, they're, they're getting better, are they good, I don't know, um, we had Penelope Ford actually pinned the champion Sheeta, and I've always said this, if you're going to beat a champion, you don't want to beat him out all the time in singles non-title matches, because that the values, they're, they're being a champion, even though it's a non-title. But if you want to beat a champion in a tag match, beat them all the time. That's fine. You're not taking any heat off a champion if they lose in a tag match. No one's going to remember it. So if they want to start something that would sheet in Ford, Forward, I guess that's next. Who cares, right? I don't know. And next up, we get Darby Allens' Jackass. Did you see this segment? Holy shit, what were they doing here? Now, I know they, they were doing about Darby's injury and that he can't be cleared by a doctor. And then he's on the skateboard and he's literally fell like six times. So that's why I referenced Jackass. Okay. We'll see what happens there. Next up, Best Friends and Orange Cassidy against the Inner Circle. And, uh... I get, yeah, but uh, Orange Cassidy ended up pinning... What was it? Ortiz? Did he pin Ortiz? I think that's who he pinned. And they won the match, but that's not where... The, the fun began after the match. Jericho comes in and attacks with his bat, Floyd... Uh, then he hits... Then then they take the, the bag of oranges and he destroys Orange Cassidy who was bleeding from the ear. And Shivani, of course, had to use the line that he's uh, that they beat him to a bloody pulp, which was funny. I'm just curious here where they're going with this. Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. So, you're going to just have Jer? You're going to have Orange Cassidy keep having these matches where he's close but doesn't win? Or is Jericho going to... Put him over. I don't know. I, I can't see that happening. So we get an MJF promo, which was gold, tremendous. Love MJF. Always amazing. In front of Billy, by the way. No more Gun. In case you hadn't heard, Billy Gunn uh, lost the privilege to lose to use the name Gun by WWE, who I guess has, of course, intellectual property over the name. He can use the name for autograph signings. And other things. I guess appearances outside of the ring. But once he's in the ring, he can only be Billy. Kind of like Cody can only be Cody. Although now, they don't own that name anymore. So, I'm surprised he's not Cody Rhodes as of now. I don't understand that. So, um, but again, this is... What year is this? 2020? And Billy is going to be in the ring next week. I mean, look. I I don't want to kill Billy Gunn. Or Billy, whatever you want to call him. Because... And this surprised me back then. Remember, like, 2017 or 18, when New Japan came to the United States and Billy Gunn was in a a title match? Do you remember that? I think it was for the United States title, I want to say, or the open weight, one of the two titles he had a match for. I was like, what? (laughs) Why are they using Billy Gunn? But they did. Look, he is big, if you want to say that. By the way, Wardlow is taller than I thought, because when Wardlow came over to back MJF in that segment, I didn't realize Wardlow was a lot taller than Brian Cage. Because remember, I made that comparison. And uh, I didn't realize how much shorter Brian Cage actually is. So, my fault there. Next up, we get Sammy Guevara beat Cole Cabana. That was a decent match. Yeah, it was actually better than good. Had some good exchanges. A bit of a sloppy finish. Uh, As I said here, a much-needed win for Sammy. Because Sammy's always getting jobbed out. So, to be credible in terms of the fans... You have to win a couple matches, and they did that well. Then you get the garbage post-match with Cabana being teased as joining the Dark Order. If you care about that, God bless you. Uh, Matt Hardy came out, and they did a little exchange there. Perhaps we get a match with Cabana. Excuse me, uh, Sammy and Matt Hardy. Did you see this next segment? This segment, oh my goodness. This was such a throwaway segment and a waste of television time. They do this Joey Janela pity package where he's in a bar drinking talking about his talent and how much he thought he would be used more than he has been and had the start he got off to in the match he was in, I guess, against, was it Omega? Uh, And then, of course, recently he did wrestle Cody. But what is, what do they think of Joey Janela? And I don't know, I don't get it. Because Joey Janela should be thrilled to even be employed by a major company. This guy has indie stamped all over him. His work is subpar. He doesn't get how to do psychology. His matches are terrible. And he looks like crap. Not a fan of Joey Janela if you haven't figured that out by now. Next up, we get a good promo by Moxley. Moxley was real intense in this promo outside when he cut it. I mean, I was impressed by this promo. That is that is how a promo should be cut, cut by your champion loved everything moxley presented there and then of course taz comes out gets in moxley's face you get the attack from behind by cage cage roughs him up out there taz and holds him back and says no more and then cage just picks him up and throws him in the back of the car moxley's out that's a good setup for fighter fest with the main event there you know pretty good stuff i guess again though will cage win how many times are you going to line up these challengers and then just knock them down? Is, is Moxley going to beat the whole roster? What are you going to do? I think that you can't beat Cage. I mean, I also thought you couldn't beat Hager, and he beat Hager. But I think that you have to go DQ here or some kind of flaky finish. Moxley can't win again clean over Cage. Your main event is the Open Challenge for the United States title. We get Mark Quinn against Cody now, I Love private party. Okay, and I hate to have to bash this situation And I had to do it a couple weeks ago When they somehow were in the number one contenders match for the tag titles when we had barely seen them Someone explained to me when mark Quinn has been in a singles match that would warrant him to even be a challenger for the US title I mean, I get just your open challenge. Okay, anyone can come out, but I don't get it. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. There's so many more guys on the roster. Now, again, if you want to build up Mark Quinn and you want to get him in this position, I have no problem with that. Guys are a tremendous athlete. You Get him a few wins. Build him up a little and give him this match. Giving him the match out of nowhere I don't know. Why do I care? By the way, this again is your main event. Remember how we talked about Dexter Loomis being in the main event of NXT? Why do I care about Mark Quinn in the main event against Cody? I don't think either, either company did themselves any favors in their main events. And, and by the way, Mark Quinn, look, look at the records. I mean, I just talked about how he's barely done singles, but... His record doesn't justify him being in this match also. So then they sell, of course, the knee injury. Which he sustained... Was it last week or the week before? It was last week. So he's hobbling around. Again, alright. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I trashed Cody last week because he did everything and and way too much. And I didn't like that match with Cody having to bleed. Having to use a table. I was like, just wrestle. He did just wrestle. Alright. I can give Cody compliments when they're due, alright, Cody looked good in this match, he wrestled a regular match, you didn't get any crazy spots from him, however, if I'm going to be critical and nitpick, which you can call that, I do believe that Cody allowed Mark Coyne to do too much, he allowed him to do too many high spots, I think Coin even butchered a couple of the high spots, um, again, he tried to, he repeated and did a second time, if you listen to what I said earlier, About guys learning to work. Remember, I referenced FTR teaching these guys how to work. Mark Quinn is a super athlete. He can do everything. But the thing is, if he does every move in the book, right? Think about this match as you go through it. He did. He did the crazy. What? He did a 450 on the on the apron on Cody. He did a couple other of his other high spot moves. He did every move. But they none of them won the match. So. You have to start getting one of your moves over in order for people to care about it. Because if you use every move and they don't win, what does it matter? And then also your moves don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. You hit every move in the book. And that's another thing. You don't need to use every move in every match. Save some of the moves so people care about your move. If you hit a move out of nowhere, people are going to pop more for that move versus seeing it every week. You don't need to see the same move every week. I know guys have their move sets, but Mark Quinn needs to learn how to work more and become a complete professional wrestler first because he has every ability, as I already mentioned. But you can't just go out there and give me a 20 high spots. Now, again, he sold well. There's, there's, Mark Quinn is a work in progress. They just can't let him go out there and do every move every week. It doesn't look good. So, again, here's the thing. They used the knee at the end, and Cody ended up winning. So, again, kudos to Cody. This was better, all right? Now, at the end, the end was interesting, because then you had Jake Hager come out. So, Hager comes out, and then we get this crazy brawl with everyone coming out, and the whole thing ended. And then Cody gets on the mic, and Cody says, you want to challenge me? You got to have a match for Fighter Fest. So does that mean now, for the next three weeks, there won't be a challenger for the U.S. title? I'm confused by that, right? Because you're essentially telling me that Cody's going to be champion until Fighter Fest, but doesn't he have an open challenge now for the next two weeks at least? I don't know. Let's see how they tell that story going forward. But again, are you going to beat Hager again? Let's get Cody another challenger next week. Let's see if they do. All right, so uh, let's go into the ratings. This is disappointing. This is really disappointing because I thought both shows were good. I didn't hate both shows. They, had, they, had, they had... Look, I never hate NXT. AEW I have more issues with just because I think they can do more things in terms of the things I have already mentioned. I'm not going to re-mention them. In the last two weeks, AEW has now lost 150,000 viewers. Two weeks ago, they had 827,000. Last week, they had 727,000. This week, 677, 677,000. This is so bad. And I think NXT lost what 30,000, and they dropped to 673. AW one again, but that's not the point. This is not good. How do we get the people back? They gotta work hard. They gotta find a way to get these people back if they can. I don't know. We'll see. So before I get out of here, let's get into the plugs. We have a Box Seat Suck podcast with my boy Tony Soprano. Check that out every week. A lot of stuff. I'm hearing rumblings about baseball again. The owners and the players are fighting like cats and dogs. We'll see what happens there. Box Seat Suck. Check that out. And, uh, of course, the workshoot podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. They've been doing a lot of interviews lately. Check out the David Starr interview, and I know... I don't know if it debuted yet, but I believe they have former ECW and WCW uh, wrestler uh, Big Vito on for an interview. So you can check those guys out too. Don't forget, come back Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever the hell you want to listen to this. Uh, We got Peeps and from Saturday afternoon's main event. We're going to discuss a full breakdown of Backlash, so check that out. Morton's Law, thank you for the support, everybody. We'll see you Sunday night. Take care and God bless Gay Sex.